For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. From Meat Eater's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review, presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to steeldealers.com. Now, here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. Archaeologists have discovered what looks like a 9,000-year-old deer camp in the Jordanian desert. The hunting complex is believed to have been used by gazelle hunters around 7,000 BC to perform rituals to guarantee a successful hunt. Likely story. If you grew up in the, quote, deer camp situation of hunting, you know as well as I do that the word ritual can mean a heck of a lot of things to a variety of different people. Cousins, uncles, etc. Sometimes those rituals do a lot more harm than good for your hunt, especially if it requires getting up really early the next morning. The team of French and Jordanian archaeologists found more than 250 artifacts, including two statues with carvings of human faces, along with animal figurines. According to German media outlet DW, they also found a desert kite and they say it's the oldest, largest, and best-preserved large-scale hunting structure ever uncovered. What is a desert kite? Good question. A desert kite is built from two walls that stretch for several hundred meters and become gradually narrower, forming a V. Hunters herded animals into the wide end of the V and chased them to the narrowest point. At that narrowest point, They'd have a pit dug or some sort of enclosure constructed. Hunters usually trapped 40 to 50 gazelles in a single hunt, sometimes as many as 600. The walls didn't have to be high to keep the animals moving down the V. Low walls were often used or sometimes a row of posts with rag banners. Today, some of the surviving desert kites are so large they can be seen from space, according to National Geographic. 
The enclosures at the end of the V were always carefully constructed, and they could include a single cell or multiple separate enclosures. Pits were often dug in these enclosures, which were almost impossible to spot until the animals had already fallen in. Archaeologists believe the desert kites were used during the gazelle's seasonal migration when herds were moving in a predictable direction. Desert kites were first discovered by the Royal Air Force, flying over the eastern desert of Jordan in the 1920s. They're called kites because the pilots that spotted them thought the shapes resembled toy kites used by children. We all remember Mary Poppins. Pistol and tight to the string of your kite. Similar hunting structures were also used in North and South America and even Scandinavia, but archaeologists did not know at first what they were used for. Some thought they were used ritualistically, which, by the way, is always what archaeologists say when they don't really know. Later, others hypothesized that desert kites were used to herd domestic animals. Today, the consensus has mostly coalesced around hunting. Although, if you ask me, this is more of a detain-against-their-will type of method versus hunting. You know, I've been there, just not in the Jordanian desert. It was Mexico. Anyway, this week, a special tale of the bureaucracy of gun possession in the heart of the cold, cold city, bad bills, some good, and the difference between wild and feral. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. And my week was pretty wild. Went down to Los Alamos County, New Mexico, and partially helped, but mostly observed a feral cattle roundup conducted by the County of Los Alamos and a professional wild cattle wrangler, Cody Farian, from Pagosa Springs, Colorado. This is a mix of hunting and beef wrangling. The major difference is these cattle do not recognize or play the game of being rounded up. They either run at you in an attempt to tip you over, or they run away from you, like a herd of elk. These beeves were hanging out on the edges of flats, staying in places where they could drop off into steep canyons and be less visible. At least that's what I observed. Obviously, we have talked about the ongoing effort in the Gila wilderness to exterminate unbranded cattle through aerial gunning. This Los Alamos operation is much more hands-on, much more dangerous as well. These cattle do not want to be caught if they are cornered, which Cody does through the use of Catahoula, Dogo, Healer, Red Tick, Cross cattle dogs, they will attempt to run through you or over you to get to safety, even when you're sitting on top of a tall horse. The work of getting the cattle from the location of their capture to a place where a state brand inspector can take ownership of them is also dangerous, but in comparison to the initial capture, much more controlled. Then, the transfer of the animal from the pen, or stock trailer, into the brand inspector's trailer is either simple, or the beef attempts to jump completely out of the trailer by using the same method a mouse does. If their nose can fit through the gap, they're going to try and force their whole selves through the gap. Only it's not a mouse. It's something that could be 1,200 pounds. I'm stuck. Oh, yeah. And that gap is a good place to smash yourself between metal and metal and, you know, again, anywhere from like 600 to 1,000 pounds of ticked-off cow or bull. By the end of my week, it was, you know, a real fun trip. And the land of enchantment seldom disappoints. Saw some fun horse work and some impressive cowboy work. If I have a takeaway for you, it is this. We as people put those cattle out there. It's our mess to clean up. The risks are obviously human safety, 
a social tolerance risk of public land recreation and cattle, and an environmental ecology risk. The cattle are a vector or pathway for both disease to domestic herds and for the continued spread of noxious and invasive plants and grasses. The beef, again, grow large. They literally put a big, deep hoof print on the ground, which leads to massive erosion around water sources, trail systems, and the many native cultural sites in the area. They also eat a lot, and that unmanaged grazing action comes at a cost to native wildlife, and in areas where there are grazing allotments, the cost of putting fewer pounds on cattle for the same rent. So, when considering these roundup types, lethal removal versus hands-on feral beef wrangling, we are actually considering the difference between human safety and human risk balanced against the impact on the landscape. Important to note, unbranded or unmarked cattle, mavericks, are largely only considered feral cattle if they are born out on the range unmanaged. Obviously, calves are not dropped, you know, anywhere already branded. The term wild is generalized, right? As in, holy hell, that is a wild cow. But these animals are domestic stock that have lost their memory of domesticity. They are not wild. And in the state of New Mexico, an unmarked or unbranded cow or cows belong to the state of New Mexico. To take one or kill one is a misdemeanor offense. If no brands or markings are found by the state inspector, those cattle can be bought at the sale barn. Last person with their hands up owns them. You can see this little adventure firsthand on a future episode of the YouTube series that goes along with this podcast, Cal in the Field, only on the Meat Eater YouTube channel. Moving on to the Bill Roundup, episode 150. First up. In West Virginia, a series of bills have been introduced that would establish a comprehensive motorized recreation program on state public lands. In simple terms, this legislation would allow off-road vehicle access to previously inaccessible wildlife management areas, state forests, and state parks. I can appreciate a 4x4 as much as the next guy, but this activity could harm wildlife habitat as well as hunting opportunities. If you live in West Virginia, contact your state senator about Bills 565 and 563 and let them know your opinion. In Texas, the Parks and Wildlife Commission has passed temporary regulation changes for spotted sea trout. These new regulations will begin March 10 and will reduce the spotted sea trout bag limit to three fish and restrict the allowable size to 17 to 23 inches. The rule is designed to leave more spawning fish in the water to help the fish recover from the 2021 winter storm that knocked out most of the power in the Lone Star State and wreaked havoc on wildlife. Up in Minnesota, HF 2764 directs the Commissioner of Natural Resources to evaluate fish designated as rough fish to determine if those species have been properly labeled. Rough fish, also known as trash fish, are thought to be less desirable for anglers and are generally less protected. In Minnesota, these include fish like suckers, bullheads, dogfish, and gar. Take a look at DOS Boat Season 2 and 3 on YouTube. We talk about rough fish and rough fishing and the absolutely incredible tale of the big mouth buffalo. Some of our oldest living freshwater fish in the United States, a few recorded well past the century mark like 115 plus years old. The big mouth buffalo are often mistaken for carp and targeted because of their size by bow fishers. But those buffs 
are incredibly cool native fish that do a great job cleaning up their ecosystem, and there's currently no regulation plan for them. Also, in the state of Minnesota, animal welfare advocates are pushing the state to create a government board to oversee companion animals, aka pet welfare. They argue that the existing Board of Animal Health is too focused on livestock and doesn't address other potential animal health concerns. The bill, HF 208, directs the governor to appoint 13 members from a variety of organizations and fields. Looking through the list of potential stakeholders, I doubt the commission will take a positive stance towards hunting dogs or recommend much action to deal with feral cats. But hey, I could be wrong. Thanks to Brian from Minnesota for sending that one in. Down in the Sunshine State, the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission just gave final approval to a new rule that requires all hunters to log a harvested wild turkey prior to moving it from where they killed it. The new rule requires hunters to report their turkey harvest within 24 hours using the same reporting system as deer. You can imagine how the old rule turned a bunch of honest hunters into regulation violators when cell service was poor. The Florida Wildlife Commission also approved a rule that allows the aquaculture and sale of Florida largemouth bass for food. The commission has been considering the rule over the last four public meetings, but they just gave final approval on March 2. Not sure where the demand comes from on that one. Remember, a major fisheries concern is not enough angler harvest amongst most species of bass, one exception being the old Guadalupe. In Kansas. The House just voted 117 to 4 to pass HB 2456, which would allow the Secretary of Parks and Wildlife to issue a lifetime combination hunting and fishing license to Kansas residents under the age of 5. The license would be available for the low, low price of $300. If a Kansas resident purchased a combo license every year from age 17 to 80, they'd spend a little over $3,000. So you can see why the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks opposes the measure. HB 2456 is currently being considered by the Kansas State Senate. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid, and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And, as often is the case, those guys were on to something. 
because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild. But searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. In Ohio, SJR 3 would establish a constitutional right to hunt and fish. The resolution would amend the state constitution to forever preserve the right to hunt fish and harvest wildlife using traditional methods. SJR 3 is currently sitting in the Senate Agriculture and Natural Resources Committee. Oklahoma. Oklahoma is considering several bills we're tracking. HB 4281 would allow hunters to go after coyotes with spotlights and night vision. SB 1771 would allow hunters who have the permission of a landowner to kill feral swine at night without a permit. SB 1791 would prohibit a game warden from entering private property solely because they hear the discharge of a firearm. And SB 1828 would allow the Wildlife Conservation Commission to declare a muzzleloader season for velvet bucks during the last week of August if it's determined the population can handle it. In Maryland, HB 1279 would authorize the Department of Natural Resources to allow Sunday hunting on private property statewide and on any public land the department has designated for hunting. Right now, Sunday hunting is only allowed on certain dates and in certain counties. And, although it's a different branch of state government, the New Mexico Supreme Court recently declared unconstitutional the Game Commission rule barring the public from stretches of river deemed quote-unquote non-navigable. This is a big deal for public access. This ruling voided five earlier certificates the Game Commission had granted to landowners closing rivers through their property. This is a huge win for stream access, but don't expect this saga to be fully over. Keep an eye on what New Mexico Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham does says, and who she appoints to the Game Commission in the run-up to the election this fall. Interestingly enough, Governor Lujan Grisham just pocket-vetoed SB2, a 33% raise that would have brought the pay of Supreme Court judges up to that of federal magistrates, appeals court, and district court judges would have increased their pay along those lines as well. Sources at the Capitol are asking the question, is this the governor being thrifty? 
or is this the governor retaliating against judges who ruled in favor of stream access? Which again, is in favor of the New Mexico State Constitution. Interestingly enough, had the governor issued a normal veto instead of a pocket veto, it would have come along with an explanation. I guess a good way to remember the difference is uh, what goes on in the pocket veto is noticeable, and you can jump to conclusions, but you can't see inside the pocket, so you don't really know. I guess it's kind of like the political version of, uh, is that a middle finger in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me? Finally, over at the federal desk, the CWD Research and Management Act has been formally introduced in the United States Senate. As we've covered previously, the act would support state and tribal efforts to develop and implement CWD mitigation strategies, as well as fund research to better detect and prevent the disease. It's the first piece of federal legislation aimed at combating chronic wasting disease, and it has the support of both Democrats and Republicans. If you want to make sure the CWD Act ends up on President Biden's desk, call the U.S. Capitol Switchboard and ask your senators to co-sponsor the CWD Research and Management Act. If they're already on the bill, call and thank them for supporting deer hunters and the pursuit of sound science. Just a reminder, if you hear about a new bill or regulation that gets you fired up, send it to ASKCAL at TheMeatEater.com, that's AskCal at TheMeatEater.com, and we'll help get the word out. Spring hunting seasons are coming up, and we'll all be building up that anticipation of opening morning in the turkey woods or bear woods or even spring fishing opener. And something we do not talk about is the anxiety of wondering if some other nature lover is going to be in our spot before we get there on opening day. So, in honor of that, I present this next segment to you as a reminder of what some folks go through just to enjoy the simple efficiencies most of us hunters take for granted. And keep in mind, when Alex leaves his house, he knows there will be other people wherever he goes. But he keeps going. Now, as a special contribution from our own Alex Tilney, who just wants to simplify his life by putting his long gun in his apartment. There are 8.3 million people living together inside the 300 square miles of New York City. And as you may have heard, gun ownership is not encouraged. Just to start my application to own a long gun inside the five boroughs, I had to submit the following. Every address where I'd lived for the previous 10 years my current employer and employment history, any existing guns I own and their serial numbers, a description of where and how I will keep the guns secured, the name and contact info of the person who will safeguard the guns in the event of my incapacitation or death. This is my wife, Sarah, a person with a taste for venison and logistical challenges. A 17-item questionnaire to determine if I had ever used a different spelling of my name, been fired from or rejected for military service, used drugs, suffered from or ever been treated for mental illness, had any restraining orders against me, or been subject to arrest, indictment, or summons for, and here I'm quoting, any offense other than a parking violation in any jurisdiction, federal, state, local, or foreign. The words any in that sentence are in all caps. Anything other than a flat no to any item on the questionnaire 
means you have to upload an explanatory statement to the online NYPD application system. In 2012, I'd gotten busted for having my dog off leash in a no dogs allowed park. So I dug through my files and uploaded a copy of the judge's dismissal statement. Luckily for me, the police officer's handwriting on the summons was too messy to be legible in court. My doctor wrote a letter stating that my bipolar disorder has been successfully treated for 15 years and that I pose no threat to myself or anyone else by possessing a firearm. It isn't easy to talk about your mental health with anyone, let alone an online application system. But after all, faceless bureaucracy doesn't require you to look anyone in the face. And so I uploaded that letter. Let's see, what else? A letter signed by my cohabitant confirming agreement to have the guns in our residence, which had to be notarized. So Sarah and I walked three minutes from our apartment past Angelica's Diner, the Yeshiva Shira Torah, Carnival Vegetable Market, open 24 hours, the Uzbek Watch and Shoe Repair Place, the Laundromat, and a Carvel Ice Cream Shop to get to MF Discount, a 99-cent store where notary Gurawan Siram charges $2. I uploaded that letter, my passport, my birth certificate, my New York-issued driver's license, my social security card, a utility bill, a photo from the shoulders up against a neutral background, and, of course, a fee of $140 for the permit and $88.25 for the in-person fingerprinting when it came time for that. I submitted all of that material on January 11th, 2021. 354 days later, on December 30th, I received an email from the NYPD letting me know that I could now schedule my fingerprinting appointment by calling any one of three phone numbers until I got through to the office. Rotating through all three numbers, I called 34 times before I got through to Officer Roberts, who slotted me in on February 8th, 2022 at 10 a.m. I had already uploaded all the necessary documents, but I was required to bring with me a physical copy of my driver's license, birth certificate, social security card, utility bill, passport photo, and the notarized letter of cohabitation. With a file folder containing all this, I got on the G train at Fort Hamilton Parkway, rode 35 minutes to Court Square, switched to the E train, and rode another 30 minutes. It was only the fifth or sixth time I'd been on the train in the previous two years, the first time since Omicron, and it felt good to be among everyone just going about their business. I arrived at 9.40 a.m. outside of Queensborough Hall, red brick with concrete columns out front, a building that looks like a suburban high school. After going through a metal detector and putting my bag through an x-ray machine, I found the firearms licensing department in a basement office two levels down. There was no wait to sign in. The office badly needs a coat of paint, but it smelled good. You can get the food of about three dozen countries within a five-minute walk, and I saw a few styrofoam clamshells open on the officers' desks, their masks under their chins as they ate. I waited for about 10 minutes, and then a tall officer in his 20s, whose name tag read Baker, called me up to the fingerprint machine, sort of like an ATM with a little scanner bed attached. We were separated by a pane of plexiglass taped to the unit with a hole cut out for me to put my hand through. It seemed like Baker was still learning the machine, and so I tried to roll my fingers in what seemed like the right way. It took about five minutes. When the scanning was done, Baker told me I'd received the permit in the mail in four to six months. Thinking of the dog park infraction and the mental health letter, I asked if this time was just for processing 
or for the background check as well. Right, he said. The background check starts now. Once you get the license, he went on, you'll bring each firearm to this office in person to be registered. So, as of this recording, I'm only midway through the process. But in the meantime, I'll be thinking about ducks flying over the Hudson River and deer grown fat on suburban landscaping. My archery certification is also underway. Isn't that a process? So, I want you all to think about that, especially you folks living in the Midwest and the West that, compared to that pain in the butt that Alex just described, don't really have that many problems. Keep a smile on your face, be courteous to your fellow hunters in the turkey woods, and I'll talk to you next week, because that's all I've got for you. Thank you so much for listening, and as per usual, don't forget to let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods by writing in to A-S-K-C-A-L, that's askcal at themeateater.com, and with those first gobbles of spring, will come a late snowstorm that brings the branches down around you and your yard, so be prepared by going to steeldealers.com and locate a local, knowledgeable steel dealer near you. They'll get you set up with what you need, and they won't send you home with what you don't. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about Ice Age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold.